Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, February 27th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris, and after a little bit of a break with that uh, all-star, I guess you can call it a weekend, but really call it a waste of time, do get a little bit of time off for ourselves, but we are back full steam ahead with my guy Kenny as we are looking at a nine-game slate to get us back into the swing of things. A bunch of games coming off of teams that are in either potential back-to-back scenarios or dealing with some uh, some big injuries that could potentially have some pretty significant effects on what the value is looking like on the roster. But yeah, Kenny, I know we got a got a week off over here. How is uh, how is the All Star break for you? And how are things going on overall? Oh man, um, All Star break, man. Um... I don't really know how to describe it in words. Um, <laughs> competitive isn't really what I could really describe it as. Um, it, it's it, it feels like a break for the whole league, man. You have no Euroleague basketball going, no NBL, just some college game going. You have a couple of um, the greatest players on earth in the same location who just put on a, I can't even call it a scrimmage, uh, put on whatever they put on. Um, how much of that game did you watch? Honestly, I felt like I was pushing myself through. I think I watched about all together of the uh, four quarters, probably a grand total of about a quarter and a half. And I'm like, man, I can't take this anymore. This is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I really hope something happened next year. Um, don't know what it's going to be exactly, but hopefully something happens. Yeah. I mean, obviously they were hoping for it to be a little bit different once they, I, I mean, I personally enjoyed the whole drafting and, and getting those teams but i guess they wanted to go back to a more traditional east versus west but clearly did not get the competitive fire going that adam silver was clearly hoping for you could hear the disappointment in his voice when it's just like announcing the fact that they broke the record for the most points scored and no one just no one cared it's just one of those <laughs> things where yeah it's uh it's sad and obviously the dunk contest sucked jalen brown was just a disappointment jumping over four foot guy sitting on a <laughs> sitting on a chair. I mean, what is that? But regardless, let's jump right into what is a more fun and more exciting, hopefully nine game slate that we have coming up to us. And of course, for those who still aren't in the know, I don't know what's going on, but get yourself onto sportsethos.com and get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass. So not only do you get access to all of the amazing content that we have, including our DFS deliveries, our pickums, and of course, access to our Discord, where you can go ahead and ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to be able to get the insights from guys who've been doing this for years and years that will make all the difference there for you. But let's jump right into it here with the uh, with the point guard slot and. Really what I found uh, pretty interesting, now given that we're looking at it from the night before over here, we have the spreads on, I want to say, six out, of the, uh, six out of the nine games that I'm taking a look at here. And really most of them seem pretty much in that like high 220s to low 230s range, with a couple of exceptions, that being the uh, Warriors game against the uh, Washington Wizards and then the uh, Jazz and Hawks games, both of which are sitting in either low 240s or the high 230s. So definitely some of the more interesting ones, at least for me personally. Now, talking about the uh, the point guard side over here, we obviously just got uh, you know, a recent announcement as far as Trey Young is concerned, where we know that he's going to be gone uh, for what could be 
you know, at least four weeks over here when he gets reevaluated after his surgery on his finger. And, you know, as a result of that, DeJounte Murray is definitely going to be a very popular pick coming into this night and really for good reason. He's obviously had two great games back to back for his side uh, where he's racked up 50 and 57 DK points. Even though his price tag has taken a, a good bit of a jump over here going up to 8,900, he is coming in to a matchup where it should be you know, competitive, fast paced. As the spread stands, that we have the Hawks actually favored to win by just a two and a half in a 237 and a half uh, game total over here. So I think it'll be a bit of a, of a trend for myself that there is a good bit of value to be had in this game in general. And just looking at some of the lineups that I put together, a lot of the a lot of the guys uh, from this matchup itself did find themselves in my potential lineups here. But Dejounte Murray absolutely in play for his 8900 has a great opportunity to put up another 50 plus tonight over here and will be uh, will be pretty chalky given the matchup that we have coming in. The other kind of expensive guy that I'm potentially looking at, and really it's someone that needs to get themselves kind of back on track after two some two pretty terrible games, and that's Steph Curry. And who better to do that against than a Washington Wizards team, which is about as generous as it can get as far as the uh, perimeter is concerned. And uh, just to give a bit of an idea, last time around, Steph faced them. He only had to play 26 minutes in that game just because it got kind of out of hand over there, but still was able to put up 51 DK points in that time. And I expect that uh, given what we've been seeing from Washington as of late, they've actually been playing some significantly better ball since uh, Jordan Poole moved over to the bench. And in general, it's kind of worked out better in terms of how they are uh, putting together a little bit more of their offense. So it's uh, it's a potential for it to be a somewhat more competitive game over here. Obviously, Washington at home you know, gives that a little bit of a potential edge as well. So if Curry can get himself into a 30-plus minute role over here, I expect that he should have a good bounce-back game given his, uh, his two bad ones. And I expect his ownership percentage will reflect uh, some of the fear that is uh, you know, two duds coming from Curry. But if there's something you know about Curry, is that he does absolutely bounce back. Going a little bit further down, though, into my uh, value picks over here. So with uh, the Brooklyn Nets uh, taking on the Orlando Magic over here, uh, we did just get news that uh, Cam Thomas uh, hurt himself in this last game. Uh, that they were uh, going up against tonight um, against the Memphis Grizzlies over there, ended up in 29 minutes, uh, hurt himself uh, as far as his ankle is concerned. And even though it doesn't look like it'll be a long-term injury, he is still unlikely to uh, suit up for this next game over here, which really does give a little bit more opportunity in the backcourt for someone like a Dennis Schroeder to take advantage. And his price tag, given that it's sitting at uh, $4,800, saw himself get uh, 26 great minutes against Memphis here, ended up in about uh, 28 DK points in that time. I expect his usage should be seeing a little bit more of a boost uh, coming into this um, into this Orlando matchup on a back-to-back over here. So for a guy who's sitting in that uh, high 4,000s, I think the upside is well and truly there for him to have something in the uh, mid to high 30s as far as his DK points are concerned, and if not potentially more depending on how certain things work out. And finally, just as a kind of mid-tier guy uh, for me to uh, potentially look at, and I guess you wouldn't totally call it mid-tier, but it is, uh, again, continuously going with Devin Vassell, who, uh, to me, is a great opportunity for a GBP pick that you know can have that upside to be able to drop 50, as he did in the last game against Utah. Now, we know that everything is about uh, Weminyama at this point, as far as the Spurs are concerned. But really, what has gone kind of under the radar is how well Devin Vassell has been playing as of late and really just overall, as far as the season's concerned. 
And this specific matchup against the Timberwolves has been one of his uh, best matchups as far as the entire season's concerned, where he's already played the three times, has averaged 40 DK points in the three games that he's played, and has put up some great shooting splits where he shot 57% from the field, 52% from three, on his way to 25 actual points a night. And given that he's become a lot more of a ball handler as the season has kind of wore on, uh, Jeremy Sohan has taken a little bit more of a kind of off-ball role that that entire transformation into him being a full-time point guard didn't really do what uh, the Spurs needed them to do. So Devin Vassell's gotten that opportunity, and at 6,900, he's got a lot of upside to drop another 40-plus. Nah, um, definitely some good picks, and you're right. Um, Murray definitely going to be the highest own uh, picked on this slate. Um, so I'm actually going to stay away from that. I like your Curry pick, but I'm going a little bit different with my um, spend up at the point guard position. Um, I'm actually going to go with somebody who's probably going to be overlooked by a lot of people tomorrow, and that's Donovan Mitchell. Um, when he came back from his little extended all-star break, um, he had a game against Washington, and you know he had his regular amount of minutes, maybe a little less, um, probably about 30, 32 minutes. And he, he didn't really live up to the value. I think he only left with about 30 DraftKings points on a 9-5 price tag. So I do feel like a lot of people will be um, running away from him, especially since he got a decent um, decent overall game total in, against the Mavericks tomorrow. Um, so that's, got, that, that's how I'm going to be looking at my spend-up. Um, I do feel like this is going to be a 50-60 DraftKings point night for Mitchell in that position. Um, going mid-tier, I feel like this is going to be a chalky player. Uh, so this is probably just going to be a cash game only play. But the Sumo, um, it's the Pistons. Um, he's right now at 5-4. And last week, man, that dude been um, producing uh, with the fantasy numbers. Typically, you think of him as a non-existent player on the court. Somebody who can be out there for 40 minutes to give you no DraftKings points. But... Last week, he was averaging um, a DraftKings point per minute, um, played 41 minutes against Boston, ended up with 41 DraftKings points, and um, repeated that against, man, was it, I think it was New Orleans. Yeah. Um, yeah, then played against New Orleans and actually probably did the same thing, got another DraftKings point per minute game. I do feel like he will be pretty chalky, so... I might avoid them in GPPs, but if you're playing cash game, I really don't know how you can't talk yourself into not playing him. <laughs> uh, for my cheapy play, I'm going all the way to the 3K range. All the way to the 3K range, so you know I'm looking at a GPP-only play. They are playing against Atlanta. This player, it's been sporadic throughout the whole season, but if he's able to see the floor for 15 to 20 minutes... This could be something that could take that could just take you over on the GPP. Um, I'm talking about THT um, for Utah. Look, when he's on the floor, especially if he's on the floor in that fast-paced game like this game should be, he's somebody who can actually produce numbers. Again, he really wasn't getting the go time with the playing time, but if he's if he's in. And he's able to get to 15, 20 minutes. He's somebody who will be able to produce and actually end with 30, 35 drafting points in that spot. Again, this is a GPP play only. You might get zero PT, but if you're feeling risky and you need, need a flyer, 
THC as you go. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think uh, boomer bust is, is definitely the best way to describe what uh, THD can do. I mean, it's it's been a really weird season as far as his uh, minutes and everything has been concerned, just really not getting that consistency, but definitely still putting up good numbers per minute when he does get out there. So let's see what that looks like on this upcoming night. Uh, moving on to the shooting guards over here. And really my, uh, my picks have kind of revolved around the, uh, the mid-tier as far as shooting guards are concerned. Now, of course, a lot of these guys do have dual eligibility so you can usually slot them in in a bunch of different places as far as your lineups are concerned but i'm going to start first and foremost with jordan clarkson at uh, 6,000 in that same utah and atlanta game and much as i mentioned before this is likely to be a popular matchup for me to try and get uh, a good amount of people in because i expect that it is going to be a fast-paced close game all the way through and uh, really not much defense being played and if there's anyone that benefits pretty heavily from whatever defense isn't being played and allowed to kind of roam free and, and create some shots, it's Jordan Clarkson. And you know, he's been, uh, as far as his price tag is concerned, pretty safe as far as his floor goes. Hasn't really had a dud of a game in about, uh, I'd say, two weeks at this point now. And given that he's sitting at 6,000, the floor for him to be in the high 20s is, is pretty well secure given kind of what his current role is looking like. And his shot attempts are, are always going to be there. And where you can get a little bit of an extra boost is when he has one of those nights when he decides to go a little bit above as far as his assists per game are concerned. He is averaging about five for the season, but he's now had uh, two out of his last four games where he ended up with either nine or ten assists in that one. And that absolutely kind of catapults him to a another tier as far as uh, the capability to be able to produce at a higher ceiling. And so for a guy who's definitely a little bit more of a, of a, uh, of a GPP play in the sense that he can give you, you know, one of those nights where he ends up on you know, 12, 15 DK points when he's really not getting anything going as far as the shot is concerned. I expect that he'll have the opportunities to be able to do pretty well over here. So I do like him for the price tag here. Uh, sticking in that same kind of mid-tier area over here, I do want to shout out Jalen Suggs over here for 5,300 as well. I would say he's a little bit more of a cash play rather than GPP just because he is not necessarily the sexiest as far as upside is concerned, but he does consistently have the ability to get into the, the 30s and to the mid-30s as far as his um, his game is concerned. And really, it's because he is able to just contribute in small ways across the uh, across the stat line. His minutes are pretty well secure between 28 to 30 minutes on, on most cases, unless he's having a really bad night, which isn't very common because he has been one of the best defenders as far as Orlando is concerned as well. So definitely finds himself in playing more often than not. And over his last uh, three games, he's had three, three out of sorry, out of his last four games, three out of four games with 31 DK points or more. Uh, the best thing is that his shot is starting to uh, get back a little bit as well. He did have a bit of a slump kind of going into the start of February over there where he had a bunch of games shooting about 30% from the field. But now he's hit uh, 12 out of his last uh, 17 shots in over two games and including uh, two three-pointers a game in that time as well. So a lot to like as far as that's concerned. And, and the Brooklyn matchup should be one that he should enjoy, especially at home as well. So an opportunity for him to do that. Uh, I mentioned that uh, Golden State uh, and Washington game over there. And I, and I mentioned that Washington has been playing well since uh, Jordan Poole has moved himself to the bench. And it's kind of done uh, some pretty decent wonders for him as far as kind of his uh, capability to be against probably uh, opponents that he can be a little bit better than. He definitely was struggling throughout the season as far as the starter is concerned has clearly shown that he doesn't really have that consistency to be able to do well there. But as much as you want to believe in the revenge narrative, 
but more, more so than that, Jordan Poole, for a guy who's 5,800, is going to be in a position where in this game he should find himself being able to put up anywhere between 18 to 20 shots against the second unit of the uh, of the Golden State Warriors. And that's going to include Chris Paul making a return and, and a bunch of other guys that he should feel that he has the matchup advantage against him. Uh, if we know that Jordan Poole is able to get a couple of shots going early, that usually leads him uh, to be able to have a, a pretty decent shooting night. So the hope is that he can kind of continue what he did against uh, Cleveland a couple of nights ago where he ended up 11 of 21 from the field, 48 DK points. But we'll have to wait and see what that uh, what that means altogether. And then finally, this is uh, going all the way into the uh, 4,000 range for a guy who has a who has been pretty decent since uh, he's gotten moved over there. And that's uh, Vasilye Micic, who's sitting in that kind of 24 to a 20, uh, 25 minute range pretty consistently as far as Charlotte is concerned since he's made his move there. But coming off the bench, he's gotten a lot of opportunity to be that primary ball handler, has been racking up the dimes since he uh, moved over there. So even if he's not necessarily putting up big points, he usually is able to find himself in that kind of 10 to 13 uh, points range with the upside to be able to get anywhere between a seven to 10 assists as well. So it um, obviously has a little bit of uh, a boomer bust factor to it, given the fact that they're going up against Milwaukee and maybe that game could get potentially out of hand and people could get moved around, but he should have an opportunity to play anywhere between 24 to 26 minutes and, and do a lot of what he has been doing for the last couple of weeks now. Um, hey, you took my little fellow Yara League player. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Yara League MVP, Meechick, is a nice little solid pick, but I'm, I wasn't actually going to go that way on this slate. So I'm, I'm actually going to start from the bottom to actually go up. Um, I was looking at, at this slate, and, you know, I looked at the Charlotte-Milwaukee matchup, and I'm like, you know, I, I want to take Meechick. Kind of looked at um, man because you know a lot of people was gonna be off of man since um you know kind of had a couple duds but I, I'm I'm actually gonna go with the Cody Martin route um that's gonna be kind of like my sneaky cheap play um at that position since even when Meechus is on the floor um Martin's still able to run the show a little bit um since Mitrick is able to play off ball pretty well since he did a lot of that with um Shane Larkin so he's used to playing off the ball so I know it's a little bit pricey for a low tier pick but Cody Martin is going to be my little cheapy play now going up a little bit to mid tier um you mentioned Trey Young will be out Possibly for the entire season. Um, I know I said for about four weeks, but might be the entire season. And um, these shots need to go to somebody. A lot of people will be on Murray, but honestly, I, I, I'm, I have my eyes on Bogdanovich, man. Um, I really do feel like at six three, he will have a good amount of ownership. But at the same time, since he's so scoring dependent, I do feel like a lot of players will be off him. So you won't, so you won't get up more than fifteen to twenty percent, depending on your tournament. And if this game stay competitive and he stay on the floor, since ideally Atlanta is still battling to stay in that little tent seed position for the play-in, 
he can possibly get you 30 actual points and possibly five assists, five rebounds. So for 6-3, you can't really do too too bad with that. Uh, more of a cash game play, but I will play it in GPP. Now, for my spend-up, it's not much of a spend-up, but it's still a little bit above 7K. That's going to be um, Cody White in this Detroit-Chicago matchup. And now I mentioned the Sumu in the point guard position. But if you're trying to play GPPs, you need to get a little different. You need to get somebody with an upside of 50, 55 DraftKings points at a 7-4 spot. I really do feel like Kobe White playing against the Pistons will be something that can actually happen in. Um, White is scoring dependent, but if he's able to connect on five to seven three-pointers, you should be looking at anywhere from 40 to 55 DraftKings points, depending on how many assists and rebounds he could rack up as well. Typically, his R plus A should be around 9.5, 10.5. So if he's able to get around that mark, you're looking at a nice night, especially in GPPs, with a spend-up that can actually save you money for um, other positions on this slate. Solid. No, I think that's a, it's a good way of going about it. And as you said, there's ways you're going to have to go out of the ordinary to try and uh, take advantage of some of that low ownership, try to find that sneaky 6-7x play that could make all the difference in this. And uh, that's, a, that's exactly what I'm looking at over here as well. On the uh, small forward side, going from the, uh, from the bottom up, uh, first of all, I'm starting with uh, Simone Fontecchio for the uh, Detroit Pistons, who, you know, to his credit, continues to be able to get those 30-plus uh, minutes for a team that, again, continues to desperately need that outside shooting of his. And you know, he's got a little bit of a kind of scoring-heavy profile at the moment with him not getting uh, nearly as many uh, ball-handling opportunities now as he was uh, when he was sitting with uh, with Utah. But uh, to his, uh, you know, to his continued uh, consistency as far as uh, shooting from outside is concerned, that gives him enough of that upside to be able to have kind of a 30-plus DK point night if he can get a shot going as he has over the last little bit. And I'm sure Detroit will be looking to uh, put up a potential win over here because they'll probably feel pretty hard done by in, in terms of what happened at the end of that uh, New York game, which uh, I don't know if, uh, if you had a chance to watch, but just absolutely insane sequence of events that led to a uh, an and one for Josh Hart, but uh, probably should have had a couple of foul calls prior to it and uh sounds like the referees agreed so yeah detroit's been playing some really good ball over the last uh last couple of games relatively speaking for what uh we had been seeing but both the uh, knicks and the orlando game they should have probably felt that they could win and i felt fontecchio continues to be a, a key piece for them both uh, on the ability to switch on a couple of guys defensively and that outside shooting ability uh, at the same time uh, going to that uh, golden state washington game again um, if we're looking at uh, you know, someone who has really found himself a bit of a kind of turnaround on on the season given how terribly the uh, you know the start of the year went for him causing him to lose a lot of his a lot of his minutes a lot of his positionality and that's Andrew Wiggins who's sitting at 5400 at this point uh, probably a little bit more of a cash play than a GPP but he still does give you a, a little bit of upside as far as his um, his ability to be able to rack up a couple of stats across the board for him, he's been averaging about uh, 30 DK points for the last uh, two weeks at this point now, and, and been pretty consistent in that mark. Not too too much to worry about as far as his floor is concerned. He's definitely finding himself getting back into a groove, both uh, offensively and defensively, for uh, the Golden State Warriors, which they absolutely do need if they want to keep themselves in that uh, in that mark around that uh, 
playing tournament area or maybe even slightly above that if the Warriors can catch uh, catch the fire at the right time. But for him, uh, he's got his rollback. He's playing anywhere between 28 to 31 minutes on a regular basis now, is getting those double-digit shot attempts, and has found himself uh, starting to rack up a, a couple of those uh, sneaky rebounds and assists to go with it, averaging about uh, four on both of those stats over the last uh, two weeks as well. So lots of like in terms of having that capability to be able to get to at 6x while still giving you the safety of the uh, floor that he does offer. And now going all the way up to uh, the spend-up, which is actually at 8,100 here for me. That's, uh, once again, looking back at that Utah Atlanta game, which uh, <laughs> it just seems like there's just so much to like over here. And that's with Laurie Markkinen. Uh, for a guy who's at, at 8,100 over here, just continues to have just such massive upside as far as his uh, entire stat line is concerned, given the fact that he's been upping his rebounding totals over the last couple of weeks as well, has had a couple of double-doubles in that time is getting more of that uh, ball handling opportunity now, too, with uh, you know some of that backup that's uh, kind of moved. They obviously uh, lost uh, Kelly Olenek, who was doing a, a decent amount of that uh, kind of second unit ball handling and also being that big that can uh, have some of those dribble handoffs. Uh, Larry Markkinen has gotten his usage percentage actually got, gone up a, a couple of points since that uh, Fontecchio and, and Olenek moved for them. So really just helps for him to be sitting at that 8,100 price tag where I think there's a lot of upside for him to have a 50-plus night yet again, even if he's not necessarily shooting the lights out, which, to his credit, uh, over the last uh, over the last two games, uh, he has uh, found a little bit of his range back there. Uh, far cry from the 6-23 uh, of 23 that he put up against the Warriors, where even though he had that kind of a night, he still was able to put up 45 DK points. So just a lot to like with his profile. It's a great matchup, and he should have the size advantage with a lot of those offensive uh, or a lot of those defensive assignments on the Atlanta Hawks, and uh, hopefully can take advantage. All right, nah, definitely a solid pick in marketing. Um, I was thinking about going that route, but something else in that game um, brightened my eyes a little bit more than marketing. But nah, definitely a solid pick. I understand going that route for your spend up. Um, for my small forward spend up, I'm going just a tad bit cheaper. Not too much cheaper, though. But that's um, Franz Wagner at uh, um, 7-8 going up against Brooklyn, who are on a back-to-back. Um, I know Wagner performance hasn't really been um, cons- the most consistent. Uh, you-, you really never know uh, which of these magic forwards are going to have um, the green light. Um, some nights you're going to get 11 shots out of Wagner, and out of nights, you're going to get 20 shots out of them. Um, going up against Brooklyn, I really do feel like this is going to be a 20-shot night out of Wagner. So depending on if they connect or not, you're looking at a potential floor of around 30 DK points to an upside of around 45, 50 DK points. Um, this game should stay somewhat competitive, even though it's on the back-to-back and uh, Brooklyn is traveling to Orlando. So I I might have another piece I'm interested in this game as well. Going a little bit cheaper. Like I said, I might have another piece I'm interested in this game as well. Uh, This is going to be on the Brooklyn side. That's going to be Mikael Bridges at 7-1. I really do feel like this will be a low ownership play. Um, One, it's a back-to-back. Two, his performance hasn't really been... um, Ooh, haven't really been um, Brooklyn, Mikael Bridges, since he um, came back in the month of January. But I really do feel like 
if an upside can happen, it should happen in this matchup where he probably will be the best scoring option for the team. So you should be able to get about 20 field goal attempts out of him. Uh, will we connect on those? I don't know. But I do feel like his floor should be pretty secure at around 28, 32 fantasy points. Upside is just like Wagner at 50. Now, going for my cheapy play, this is going to be GPP only. I should repeat this. This is going to be GPP only. Um, this is starting to become a theme. Um, I don't know what type of minutes this player is going to get. I don't know how many field goal attempts this player is going to get. But I do know he will get playing time, which is something I couldn't say about this player for the past three years, and that's Evan Fournier. Um, playing against Chicago, not the greatest matchup for him, but if he's able to stay on the floor for around 20, 25 minutes, he's able to get the green light on a couple of shots. Let's just say he gets you 8 to 12 field goal attempts. He has to potentially get you 20 actual points. Um, won't get you too many rebounds or assists, but should still be able to get you around 3 or 4 R plus A if you get those type of minutes. Um, I'd actually give you a couple steals. So if you're looking at spinning 3-9 in a GPP and you're okay taking a risk on a shooter, ever before you had somebody who can actually give you a sneaky 25-30 points. Interesting stuff there. I was like, I don't think I've heard uh, Fournier be mentioned in one of these for, I said probably a couple of years at this point. Definitely in a uh, interesting spot as far as the Pistons are concerned. Again, obviously lacking uh, shot making from the outside, but himself uh, being a veteran on a rebuilding team, it's always a bit of a lottery in terms of what their night to night is looking like. So definitely more of a GVP play there. But uh, but I do like that, and I like the Mikal Bridges one as well. I was looking at him for a good bit, but uh, yeah, just. I that might as well go a little bit further up to marketing and uh, and hope to secure a little bit more consistency in what we've been seeing as of late. Uh, moving on to the uh, power forwards side of things over here, and and here was a bit interesting for me because the guys that I really liked over here were all kind of in that same kind of high six thousands to low eight thousand range over there. Not really anyone that was jumping out to me that I particularly liked as far as either a spend up or a cheapest concern. So I'm going to give a, a couple of uh, mid-tier picks that I find myself fitting in as far as lineups are concerned. And first of all, it's going to be uh, back once again to uh, that uh, the New York pick side of things with uh, Josh Hart over here. Look, we continue to see what uh, his upside is whenever he's getting not only the amount of minutes that he is, regardless of whether it's uh, back-to-back as it will be for the uh, New York Knicks, but it's clear that until uh, OG and... Uh, is absolutely ready to return over here. It's going to be just the Josh Hart show as far as everything on offense and defense is concerned for all the switchability and the versatility that he has. So the fact that he got 17 shots in that last uh, Pistons game is not necessarily the trend that you see continuing, but he is getting double-digit shots on a regular on, on a regular um, buffet now and is getting anywhere between four to five shots from the outside on a regular basis as well. So it's, it's really a, given him a lot of upside. And for a guy who's still sitting in that 6,000 mark, for him to have had 40-plus you know, uh, fantasy points in uh, three of his last five games, uh, four of his last six games, it's just a, a lot to like in terms of what he has as far as upside is concerned. And 
he just uh, gives you so much for a potential price tag that is probably a bit too cheap for his current role and is likely going to keep getting adjusted. So definitely one of my uh, one of my favorite picks. And of course, the Pelicans is also a bit of a revenge matchup for him there as well. Had spent a, a bit of time on that side over there. Uh, probably was the first team that really gave him the opportunity to be able to start on a consistent basis. And you know, now with the with the Knicks, he's definitely thriving there. So let's see what he can do against this old franchise there. Uh, with the same uh, power forward, uh, specifically only him not having dual eligibility, probably makes it uh, you know a potential a a potential decision for you to be able to fit in. But Jalen Johnson for the Atlanta Hawks, again going back to that Utah Atlanta game, seventy nine hundred is just such an excellent price tag for a guy who, similar to Josh Hart in a way, but with a, a little bit more kind of offensive uh, upside and also just the talent really in that sense has been. One of I'm going to say he's going to be the best player as far as Atlanta is concerned, just for how much he's able to do on both sides of the floor. Just continues to be an absolute force on the defensive stats, and just continues to find a way to be in that kind of nine to ten rebound range, despite being slightly undersized for his role over there. But it's clear that uh, Jalen Johnson is one for the future as far as the Hawks are concerned, and his price tag has consistently risen throughout the season for you know, good reason for how well he has been playing. But at this point. He is just absolutely one of the more rock-solid plays that you can have in a matchup here that he should get that same amount of uh, shot attempts that he got against Orlando, 19 field goal attempts. So that one almost was on a a triple-double march, and now we'll have to obviously see him uh, get to uh, handle the ball that little bit more with uh, with Trey Young out. He was able to get seven assists in that last Orlando game. I expect that uh, with how much the Hawks absolutely believe in him as their future, he should be uh, getting that opportunity there as well. So this could be very much an opportunity for him to repeat what he did against the Orlando Magic and have another 50-plus DK point night over here. And then finally, I I feel like every time I get to see him on the slate, I can always just recommend him because his price tag to me just continues to be one where until he gets to, in my mind, around 9,000, I think uh, Carl Anthony Towns is just continuously going to be a guy that is always going to have that upside, similar to uh, Markkanen in the sense of, being that guy who's sitting at around that low 8,000s mark, but absolutely has the capability to be able to put up 50 uh, fantasy points on a night-in, night-out basis. It really just depends on what his uh, usage is looking like on any given night. And now given that he is uh, going up against the uh, against the Spurs, where, to be honest, he's not necessarily done badly as far as efficiency is concerned, but he just hasn't been all that aggressive. And uh, given that the, uh, the Timberwolves are obviously looking to consolidate themselves as, as the uh, top teams in the West over there. I expect that Cat is going to be looking to uh, make a little bit more of a mark against Wemby, uh, given uh, Wemby's hot streak as of late. And uh, for him to uh, get to that same kind of 33, 34-minute mark, what we're expecting, but hopefully be shooting closer to uh, some of those 20-shot-a-game, uh, you know, 20-shot-attempts-a-game uh, 20, uh, 20 game, uh, scenarios rather than the ones where he ends up in the low teams and uh, looks a little bit more passive. So, just expecting him to be a little bit more aggressive at home against the um, against someone who's obviously just made all the headlines for all the five by fives and everything else he's been doing as of late. So don't let Cat uh, be uh, countered out there. And I expect for 8200, he's got that upside to do a 50 plus night here and get himself back on track against the Spurs. Oh man, I I, I don't know, man. I, I feel kind of <laughs> bad that you you know said someone's gonna outperform the new face of the league. Man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I like the pick, but man, I don't know if you can outside Wimby right now, man. 
Um, I'm actually going to stay away from the game right now. Uh, for my spend up, I, I wasn't even aware this um, player had um, center, I mean, power forward eligibility until um, two hours ago. And that's Vucevic. Um, I really do like the spot for a couple of bull players in this game. But at 7-8, um, going up against the Detroit team where he had recent success um, against this year and last year, I, I really do feel like this will be a double-double spot. Um, could give him a couple steals, a couple blocks. But if he's able to get you 30 minutes, he should be around 42 to 50 draft king points at the end of the night if the spread stay pretty close. Um, going a little bit cheaper. I, I know you mentioned marking in at the small forward position, but I always love revenge narratives. And, man, John Collins, this dude been on the trade block for three years when he was in Atlanta. And he's going back home to Atlanta. And, man, I forgot what it was, but didn't he have almost 20 rebound game? A um, couple games back, yeah. I think it was against um, Golden State. Could be wrong, um, but yeah, he, he's actually been playing um, up to his potential lately. Um, do I see him getting a double double this matchup? No, I don't see that happening. Do I see him getting the five by five? Don't see that happening. But I do realistically see him getting anywhere from forty to fifty draft king points if he stays out of foul trouble in this spot. And that's it's three and somebody who should be at pretty low ownership. I uh, don't really see him as seeding anything other than like 8% ownership on GPPs or cash. Uh, that's somebody I would run. Now for my real GPP play. Ah, man, this this player had to sit out a game on Sunday. So, you know, he he's, he's rested up. He's well rested. He's going to New York and that's going to be um, Najee Marshall, especially if um, Zion or Ingram sits this game out. He's somebody who will get you around 15, 20 minutes if one of those players are out. Don't really do too much on the floor, but he does enough to actually have a usage rate higher than 12%. Um, if he is able to give you 20 minutes and if one of those players are out, you're looking at somebody who's 3-5 that you can play in both cash and GPP who should have a floor of around 10 13 DraftKings points, but an upside around 25 to 30 DraftKings points. And that's how I'm looking at this uh, power forward position tomorrow right now. Well, fair enough. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love the uh, John Collins pick, first of all, because he was definitely in uh, in my list as far as centers were concerned, just because taking a look at some of these other centers list that wasn't as appealing to me. But uh, I'll go ahead and give you that. I do think he's going to have a great night, given what, you're, uh, given what you're talking about over here. So let's see what ends up happening there. As far as uh, the rest of these uh, centers are looking over here, um, I'm going to start uh, at kind of the uh, the low end of the uh, of the mid tier side of things, which is at uh, 5300, and that's uh, Wendell Carter Jr. You know, he continues to be a guy that's uh, got. Not only he obviously had a little bit of a uh, about a week off with the, with the injury that he had, but as soon as he's gotten back, uh, his minutes total has been has been rising, and against that Atlanta matchup in. Uh, and a couple of days ago, that went all the way up to 34 minutes over there. And really what what is always going to be good with him is that he has that upside to be able to get a somewhere around a 15 and 10 as far as his uh, stat line is concerned. And then, you know, he'll just uh, sneak in with a couple of um, a couple of uh, little blocks and steals to be able to go ahead and round out the stat line. And really what it means is that 
something in the uh, mid-30s is pretty attainable on a regular basis for him in a matchup where Orlando will likely be throwing out a little bit more size. You got Claxton on the other end and you know, just altogether a little bit more on the inside as far as uh, Brooklyn's concerned to have Wendell Carter get you know a matchup and a, and a defensive uh, matchup as well where likely will be required to be a little bit more uh, involved as far as the, uh, the offense is concerned. So not necessarily, I said, the sexiest pick out there, similar to kind of my uh, my Jalen Suggs one earlier. I just think Orlando has a lot of these solid players. And as you said, they are in many ways attacking by committee, which is why I kind of end up staying away from like the top end of them in, in either Franz Wagner or Paolo Bancaro. But I do find myself uh, getting a good bit of their exposure as far as these uh, low mid-tier guys are concerned, because really they're, they're doing much of the same thing but just uh, not giving you as much risk as far as their price tags are concerned. So that's kind of where I am with, with Wendell on this. Uh, going back into the uh, the little bit higher of the mid-tier, you already mentioned John Collins, so I'll skip past him. But uh, I do expect that Jalen Duran is going to be set for yet another big game against the uh, against the Chicago Bulls. And we already saw what he did earlier in the season against them in 33 minutes where he ended up on a 23-15 and 15 night on route to a 56 DK point matchup against the uh, Chicago Bulls earlier. And, Really, it's going to be him against Vucevic. They're going to have a lot of opportunities to go at each other. Neither team is very offensively talented as far as pure shot making is concerned. So I expect this to be a pretty high board game for uh, for Jalen Duran over here, who really doesn't necessarily need uh, a lot from his pure offensive capabilities, but he has the ability to be able to rack up a big rebounding game. I'm talking like 15 plus over here. Uh, similar to what he just had against the uh, New York Knicks as well, despite only shooting four, uh, four of 11, still ended up with uh, 42 DK points on there. And that's following up a Orlando matchup where he had 45 DK points there as well. So continues to be one of the more consistent uh, bigs in the uh, in the entire kind of fantasy sphere at the moment with the upside of having a real monster game if he can get a little bit more from his, uh, from his offense and if he can get himself to the free throw line a little bit more aggressively as well, where you know, we've seen when he can get into the uh, high single digits as far as free throw attempts are concerned, that's when the upside really opened itself into that uh, kind of 50 territory. And for someone that with 6,900 as their price tag, I always like uh, that option over there. And then finally, again, it's not it's not a full-on spend-up over here, but Jared Allen coming into this uh, <clears throat> Dallas and Cleveland matchup over here, where uh, he already had one you know, dominant performance against them. Uh, for a Dallas team that continues to struggle with size on the inside. But uh, the biggest thing that we're seeing is that Jared Allen is becoming a lot more involved as far as his pure offensive uh, output is concerned. His field goal attempts have continued to go up throughout the month of February, and he's now at a point where he's pretty consistently expected to be able to shoot anywhere between uh, 14 to 18 times a game, which is really what you want from a guy who always has the capability to be able to rack up 10 to 10 to 15 boards on a pretty regular basis. It's just going to come down whether he can also put up those 20 points as he has been over the last uh, over the last little bit and pretty much for a good part of the uh, month of February. So if he can continue that in a matchup where I expect that uh, Dallas is uh, absolutely going to be looking to keep it close. Obviously, Luka Doncic has been on a tear and he had, and he is probable to be able to play this game. I don't expect that his nose injury is going to keep him out there. So. I expect that uh, this game goes close. The spread that I was looking at has a Cleveland favorite to win by four. The total of the game sitting at 233. So a lot to like as far as uh, as far as Jaron Allen's upside is concerned. I think he could be one of the uh, higher scoring centers on the slate over here. Yeah, man. Really do like that Allen pick. 
And I was going to go with that as my spin-up, but I, I switch it up. I have somebody else I could pivot to, but definitely in a solid matchup. And should probably have around a 15% ownership on the slate. Um, definitely could use in cash or GPP. But to switch it up, I'm going to go with somebody who won't really have the ownership. Um, he got a questionable tag right now, but I, I really do feel like he will play against his fellow Frenchman. And that's going to be Rudy Gobert. Um, price at seven sets. I really don't think too many people will be on him in this matchup. Should be able to get you around 32 to 36 minutes, depending on um, if they run away with the game or not. But he's been giving you a consistent 35, 40 draft king points at that price tag um, pretty much for the whole year. And in this game, you know, he, he might want to block a few more shots than usual. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't think he got any personal vendettas against um, Wimby, but... Last time he played against San Antonio, he had a decent little game as well. So if you're looking for a sneaky 50 DraftKings points that a lot of people won't have in terms of ownership, um, Gobert will be the one route to go. Um, in this mid-tier play, not not too much of a spin down than um, Gobert, but that's 6-3, especially if, um, actually, even if Zion plays. Um, Valanciunas in New York at 6-3 is something I might have my eyes on in um, GPP. Probably would stay away from that in cash. But um, honestly, New York's on a back-to-back. Pretty close game. I know they're still at home, but I, I really don't like um, the heart of the team, especially if you're a bigs or um, Harkestein and um, Achua. Um, in terms of rebounding. Um, so I do feel like having somebody like Valachunas out there should be able to get him to hit his little prop of like 12.5 rebounds in the matchup if you give him 30 minutes, take him out of foul trouble. And if they actually do this whole point Zion and um, they have that running, he should be able to get some easy buckets. Um, it, it, it's odd. Um, if Zion is in, I feel like a lot of people will be off him. But at the same time, I do feel like when they do the point Zion, um, Valanchunas benefits from that more than um, Zion being out. For my cheapy play, I'm actually going to go... I don't even know if I call it a cheapy play. Um, 5-2, close enough to be a cheapy play? I don't know. Maybe you could call it a cheap mid tier. Um <laughs> If I don't play um, Vucevic, I'm, I'm actually going to go with Drummond in this spot at um, 5-2. Again, his minutes is not really there, but he basically give you 1.5 points per minute when he's on the floor. And in the matchup against Detroit, I really do feel like, you know, he kind of got the start there. You get the little revenge narrative. Maybe you want to get a few more blocks. Maybe you want to get a quick double-double. Um, he's he's incapable of doing it in a 16, 18 minute spot but at the same time he's somebody who could just fizzle out not get you too many minutes and actually fell out pretty early so this is more of a GPP play um, and again you won't get too much ownership on him probably going to be 4% or less 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think someone sitting in that 5,000 range is always a little bit of a, a gamble when you know the minutes aren't secure. But as you said, he's a permanent monster. And if he can find himself anywhere close to 18 to 20 minutes, you're likely to have a good time as far as his, uh, his actual points performance is concerned. But that does bring us to the end of, I said, a pretty uh, packed nine games slate over there. Obviously, a lot of uh, potential ways to be able to go up. But I think uh, something you saw as a trend kind of throughout is, you know, we really didn't need to talk too much about the about the, the Wembys, the Ante de Kumbos, the Luka Doncic's of the world, because there's just so much value to potentially be found at that kind of mid-tier, high mid-tier area. So, you now as always, reach out to us on Instagram, on Twitter, catch me at HAK underscore devil. Talk to me about your approach in these kind of slates, kind of where your upside is looking, who are your pillar plays, and really the best way that you find yourself uh, getting some success when approaching some of these uh, larger slates when there's a lot of options available. Kenny, I know uh, you're following all kinds of basketball. Where can people find you to get uh, the best takes for all that? Yeah, man. People can find me on Twitter, at whatever you want to call it nowadays, at OrangeDFS. And I'm more than willing to talk about this NBA slate, but we got the NBL playing games tomorrow. We got this Melbourne versus Illawarra. Um, that should be a nice little game. I um, think we got a couple nice games tomorrow in um, women's college basketball. Um, and who's playing? Man, can't think of who's playing, but I think there was one nice game on the schedule tomorrow. But as always, man, if you want to talk about any basketball, just hit me up. Love it. As always, get yourself subscribed to that DFS Pass. Keep your eye on the injury report so you can always keep yourself up to date with everything that changes on a permanent basis. And always get us on Discord to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock. But until then, we'll be catching you on the next one. It's going to be a Ramiz and I tomorrow to be able to take on the Wednesday slate over there. But until then, let's take down some of these GPPs. <laughs>